As you guys can see, we have a, a few guests up here with me uh, tonight who are going to be uh, talking uh, with me and we're going to be sharing uh, for the next, uh, just, uh, it's going to be quick, maybe for the next uh, hour, two hours. Uh, we're just going to be talking tonight. We just want to have a conversation. As many of you know, for the last uh, few weeks, we've been going through a series called Rise Above on Sundays. We've been talking about storms in our life and we've been talking about how storms happen to us all. Uh, storms in life are going to come. Nobody is exempt from going through tough situations and tough circumstances in life. And we talked about Jesus, how he fell asleep on the boat and the disciples lost their mind. They thought he was crazy and they tried waking him up and they said, Jesus, we're going to die. Do you not care? How many remember that story? We talked about Jesus walking on water and how Peter was the brave one who walked out on the waters with him and started sinking in the middle of a storm. Then we talked about uh, Jonah. And Jonah was caught in the middle of a storm, and they actually threw him overboard. And we've been talking about faith. We've been talking about life situations and storms. And so tonight, what we want to do is kind of tie our Wednesday night to what we've been doing on the weekends. And uh, the, the, the series is about to end. we got about two more weekends left in the series before we move on to our brand new one. But uh, it, right here, in about the middle of the series, we thought it would be great to kind of talk about the series and hear from uh, some people in our church, some leaders in our church that have been through some situations, that have been through some storms, have they dealt with it? Anybody in here ever been through a storm in life? Anybody in here? Maybe like two or three of us, but it just happens. Life hits us and we get hit with unexpected circumstances and situations. And what do we do? How, how do we handle these circumstances? Where do we go? Who do we talk to? And I think tonight you're going to hear from some incredible people that have been through um, some situations, circumstances where they did not know how they were going to rise above. And uh, yet we see that God has been faithful. And uh, I want you to hear from them tonight. We're going to start all the way over there uh, to my far right. I just want you first to introduce yourself. Uh, what's your name? How old are you? Are you single? <laughs> my name's Rick. Um, I'm 28 years old. I am Rick, 28 years old. Rick is also one of our youth leaders here on Friday nights. And Love this guy. So right next to you, who do we have? Our Spanish pastor. <laughs> well, let her introduce herself. Um, my name is Nabil, and I am 28 years old also. Nabil, she's uh, one of our Spanish pastors. Her and her husband are leading our Spanish service. And if you don't know, we have a Spanish service Sundays at 5 p.m. It is full of merengue, salsa, reggaeton, all that. So 5 p.m. Sundays. Uh, who do we have over here? My name is Gerald. I'm not single, my beautiful wife is back there. And that's if, you, if you're wondering who I'm you know, sending the eye to, that's her right there. Um, and uh, what else? <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to Gerald, is one of our incredible leaders here. And then right over here, what's your name, your number? Can I holler at you? <laughs> my name is Diana. Oh, this is loud. Yeah. My beautiful wife right here. <laughs> you don't want to know my age. No. Your birthday is coming up next week anyways. But so each one of you, you guys have been through different <laughs> circumstances in life. You guys have all uh, been through moments in life, been through circumstances in life where you did not know um, how you were going to react, how you were going to get over certain things. But if you could just give us a little bit of background into your life, where did you come from? What are some of the things that uh, you faced? Uh, Coach, I'll start with you, Rick. Um, what, what, where did you come from? Like, where did you, where'd you come out of? <laughs> but where, 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 give us a little bit of your background. Miami, born and raised. Yeah, so I was born and raised here in Miami, Westchester area. Um, yeah, that's why day. we know this church is loud. Pray for us. <laughs> 
Um, I was raised uh, by my mother, single mother. Um, my father went to prison when I was two years old, um, back in the 80s. And um, yeah, I was raised by my mother. She's a single mom with three kids. So that alone, uh, again, I think many of us can probably relate. Uh, many people in here can say I was raised similar, broken home, dad gone. You basically grew up uh, without your father. And that alone already presented some, some decisions that you had to make as now a guy with his mom. And uh, well, how are you going to handle life? What were you going to do? Uh, what did you think growing up? I know you told me that you thought your dad was actually in school. Right, yeah. So um, growing up, they always told me, yeah, your dad's in school, but you, you know, he can't come home yet. He's finishing this program. He's finishing. Every day I will go visit him over in prison, and I would just think he was in school as a child. You're like, wow, hey, this school's pretty cool. But like, I would be like, there's only guys in this school. It's like, <laughs> you know, what's going on here? It's like, why can't my dad come home? Why can't my dad come home? And, you know, being a child, you always need a father figure in your life you always need somebody there that you can look up to and you know you see your mom crying at night and you're like but wait if is my dad in school or like why is she crying you know so it, it played a big part growing yeah, up yeah it definitely did and, and like you said you don't have somebody to teach you how to ride a bike you don't teach you how to drive your dad was gone for a long time and um, you saw your mom struggle. And ultimately, I know you've talked about this. Uh, one of the reasons your dad went to jail was because he was caught up in uh, the drug dealing game and Correct. ended up going to jail. And what, how did that affect you? So um, growing up, I, uh, it affected me. He ended up doing 17 years in prison. And uh, I was, my mom was struggling at the time. As I got older, I was like, hey, you know, it's time for me to become a man, you know? And what society teaches you how to be a man. And it's like, look up to the people who are getting money. Look up to like, you sometimes we think that money's gonna take care of all the problem and money's gonna take care of everything that the house needs. And as a kid, I started looking up to the kids that were selling drugs and I just started, I mean, older, I found out my dad was in prison and found out he was a drug dealer in the 80s. And then I just started following his ways, following a lot of steps that he did, thinking that that's what makes a man at the house. Yeah, you know, it was crazy. Sometimes we don't choose the storms we go through. You, you were just born into the situation where now your dad's gone because of selling drugs, uh, 17 years, and uh, this is a storm you didn't choose. This is a storm that just happened, and it wasn't, your, your situation is a little bit different. It wasn't a, a temporary storm. It was a pretty long storm, but growing up as a child, then into your teenage years, not having a father around, that presented some difficulties. We'll come back to your story in just a moment. Um, now, we tell us a little bit about your background, and uh, I know you come from mostly a Christian background, but tell us a little bit about your life growing up um so i come from a broken home as well i uh my parents divorced when i was three years old um but we moved my mom decided to move us from new york city to miami so that we had a better life uh things in new york weren't always great so she moved us down here and um at 12 years old she decided that she was going to start taking us to church and so at 12 years old i accepted uh jesus into my life and just kind of walked um, with Jesus for, for so many years. Um, and so life was good. Uh, I met Jesus and there were a lot of things that I did learn and a lot of things that God did save me from. Uh, but it didn't mean that I was exempt from storms. Yeah, that's right. Your, your parents were separated. Mm -hmm. And uh, how, did, how did that play in your life? Uh, it's, it's hard because I was three years old, so I don't remember the divorce. I don't remember um, ever feeling like there was this tug of war between my parents. And for some reason, I just thank God that they were actually had a really good relationship. And so it didn't allow me to feel like I was being tossed back and forth. Um, but obviously with divorce, there comes consequences. And so there were things that later on, as I grew up, as I got older, uh, I did encounter things that I did need to overcome. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
Gerald, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what is your background history? Where do you come uh, right. from? Well, uh, I'm from New York. Okay. And um, I grew up in an awesome home. I had awesome parents. My mother and father, they, they were an inspiration for me because uh, they came from Haiti with, uh, with nothing. And uh, within a few years, uh, my father opened up his first gas station, then another gas station, then a body shop, another gas station. And that's what I was around. And my mother, my mother was working hard. And uh, she was an airline stewardess. And then, she, and then went to school at night. And then ultimately, she became the vice president for AT&T in New York. And uh, so they, they were my inspiration. And I grew up in an, in an awesome home. I have a great sister, which uh, I'm praying for, because uh, she is where I used to be. And the place I was, where I, I grew up in Catholic school, and uh, I saw a lot of things that didn't make sense to me, so I didn't ever believe what they told me, the, especially the priests and the nuns. And I used to get hit a lot because I didn't want to listen to them and told them they're lying. And uh, back in uh, 1991, my uh, mother passed away of cancer. And uh, I hated God. I did not want to hear anything about God because I said, how could this God take away a wonderful woman like that from us. And so from then, that moment in 1991, I didn't want to hear anything about God. And I started doing research on Illuminati and UFOs and time dimensions and all these different things that we, where we came from. And uh, then one day God uh, came back. <laughs> Love Gerald. I just want to say, I think you have the coolest voice of all time. I just want to say. <laughs> we'll, we'll hear a little bit more of his story in just a moment. As you can see, uh, everybody encounters different storms, whether it's growing up without a father, whether it's parents being separated or losing a mom uh, to cancer. Uh, Diana, I know uh, you, your, your story is a little bit similar to uh, Navid's. Uh, where do you come from? Who, who are you? Who am I? No, well, um, I also come from a broken family. Um, I was born in Colombia, and my parents divorced when I was nine um, because of my dad's infidelity. Um, I'm actually the one that told my mom um, something was weird, you know, and it had been happening for a long time, you know, through those, the whole time that they were married. Um, and then my mom decided after they got divorced to move to the States. We moved to Jersey, and... Um, in that transition, you know, my mom, I was raised as a Catholic by my mom, but my dad was an atheist, and he was very prideful, and so when I moved, he basically, within three months of being in this country, he chose to um, kind of just give up on me and not have a relationship with me, so for over 10, 11 years, I just had no contact with my dad, and so my mom raised me as a single mom, um, so I think for me was the struggle of, yes, not just my parents divorcing, but I think the absence of my father and then the way that it happened in a way where it wasn't like... He basically said, I, I, I want nothing to do with you. Right. And so just feeling like, hey, it wasn't because of any other reason, but you don't want me. And so kind of processing that growing up, but also the struggles that came with my mom being a single mom and it being so difficult sometimes, um, even as an immigrant, for her to be here and, and raise me and provide for me. Um, and then when I was about 17, 18, I went to a Christian church and I liked it, but you know, we kind of didn't stay. 
And then when I was 20, um, then on my own, I went to church and I just don't know what happened. I just fell in love with God. I kind of had always had um, a knowledge of God, but not necessarily a relationship with him. Um, and so everything changed from that, from that day yeah. on. Yeah. I think what we're seeing here is that no matter how old you are, where you are in life, nobody is exempt from storms. Uh, from the moment we are born, uh, you know, this world is a world full of sin. And uh, sin has uh, absolutely destroyed everything. So all of us at certain points in our life, we're going to go through difficult moments. And I think everybody in here hit one point in their life where this was, okay, this was the storm. So like, like, like you know, we've had hurricanes, but Andrew was like the storm. And there might be some more coming later on, God willing, no. But, um, but there's certain storms that stand out, I think, in all of our lives. And I think everybody on here has that certain storm. He talked about your father uh, saying, well, okay, if you choose to go with your mom, then I don't exist in your life. Basically, that's what he told you. I don't exist. I want nothing to do with you at nine years old. And that wasn't uh, you that really chose anything. It was the circumstances of life. Um, let's go back to uh, Coach Rick really quick. So as you said, you saw your mom struggling and you saw the, 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 the need for money. You actually started taking the same footsteps your father did. And you ended up in the, the drug game and you ended up dealing drugs at the age. You started, at, I remember you told me 14, 15 years old selling drugs. And what, what did your life begin to look like? And then what was the big storm that came into your life? So, yeah, I started selling drugs at 14 um, just because one day walking into my house, um, as a kid, still, my mom was able to provide for us. You know, I, I thought we were still okay. I thought, you know, there was always food in the table. We always had uh, a roof on top of us. And one day I walk in and my uncle's like uh, chewing up my mom, you know, her older brother. She was young, stayed with three kids at the time. And I just came in one day from home and... I mean, to my house, and she's like, was getting chewed up, chewed up. So I was like, man, what's going on here? Chewed up means like. Oh, I mean, screamed at yeah. me. <laughs> just just saying, in case. <laughs> she was getting, <laughs> she was getting screamed at by uh, her older brother, and <laughs> he was basically somebody sitting in the crowd, like chewed up. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, God still hasn't hasn't fixed my language. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my uncle was screaming at her and all I kept hearing was um, you know I'm tired of paying your rent I'm tired of providing for your kids I'm tired of um, giving them stuff so you know right there a switch hit in me and I was like first nobody's gonna ever talk to my mom like that and second I need to start providing for this home even though I was young so I started I went back to the neighborhoods you know I always knew who was in the bad lanes as a kid you know who's in the bad route and I started asking questions, asking, you know, what's, what can I do? How can I make money? How can I do that? So I got introduced to the drug life also at 14. And I started selling drugs uh, from 14 all the way to 19. I uh, got bigger and bigger into the game and the drug world. And until I made a lot of money, I started providing not only for my mother's home, but a lot of homes and got into the scenery, the club scenes, the you know, the, the cars, the jewelry, and into that whole drug world where I got back as I, what my father was back in the days. Yeah, like uh, you share that you really got into the drug game, but I'm talking about you, you were in the million dollar range as far as, uh, you know, 17, 18 years old, uh, making 
really good money, fast money, and it looked like this was the life. And you said, man, this is, this is the route. You thought you were unstoppable, you told me. Yeah, I thought, I mean, you couldn't tell me nothing. I would laugh at my uncle. I was like, you ain't walking into here. I remember what you said when I was 14. This is what I got now. Like, yeah. you go work. I don't work. You know what I'm saying? I thought uh, you couldn't tell me nothing at that age. I was a boss. I ran 40 people under me. You know, I was making forty, fifty thousand $50,000 on a Friday night. Like, you couldn't tell me nothing. I thought I was God myself, you know? I wish we would have had pictures. There's pictures of you in, uh, you know, some of the local clubs with... Uh, <laughs> The big chain and the gold grills, and you were 16, 17 with the, with the brand new Escalade and the brand new Mercedes, and you had the, the 67 Chevy Impalas, and you, you thought you had it all at one point, and uh, you thought you were unaware, but little did you know, sometimes our bad uh, decisions, our bad choices uh, bring storms on our life. Jonah ended up on a boat uh, because he decided to disobey the voice of God. And it brought a storm on his life. Uh, what did the storm look like? What was the storm that was about to literally knock on your front door? So um, for nine months, I was being, you know, all that loudness, all the loudness meaning like jewelry, cars, and the club scenery, and, and, you know, being the, you know, the guy in the club that everybody wanted to talk to and VIP lounges and stuff like that. The life that the world tells you, you're the man if you get it up there. In reality, when I got up there, I really became nobody because I ended up getting a federal indictment for 18 years in federal prison at the age of 19. So, so you, you tell me that one time they come knocking at your house door and uh, they're looking for Ricardo. Right. And uh, you're getting ready to face an 18-year prison sentence. Right. So at 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, they, they come and just bombard your house, you know, a bunch of U.S. Marshals, federal agents, and they come into my house and break down the doors. You know, they tie my mom up, my grandfather up. I wasn't in the home at the time. I was actually on vacation. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but you got a phone call. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I have 54 missed calls. <laughs> and I, was, I honestly thought somebody died or something. I was like, I woke up where I was at and I was like, oh my God, something's going on because I had other wives of my partners call me and I'm like, why do I have all these missed calls? Somebody must have died and what was it is, you know, we had a federal indictment for a South Florida drug ring, about 27 of us fell down. How old ring. are you? I was 19. 19 years old, facing 18 years in prison. Here you find yourself like Jonah in the middle of a storm that you brought upon yourself. And we'll come back to your story in just a minute. Now, uh, your parents separated, uh, but life seemed pretty normal because it happened since you were young. Um, what happened? What was the storm that now was about to approach your life? Um, so I accepted the Lord at 12 and started going to church and, um, you know, was a good church girl and went to Sunday, you know, went to service every Sunday and was involved in so many different ministries and dance and drama and kids ministry. And, you were a dancerina? I was a dancerina. <laughs> Um, and then um, at 17, um, my dad was living in Colombia and my dad uh, was killed. He was murdered in Colombia. Uh, and I got a call. Um, I was actually with Hera. We had just um, started dating and uh, got a call that said that my dad had just been killed. And so um, that was kind of like... You were the, 17 years old. 17. And you get this phone call now that your, your father has passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what did you think at the moment? I mean, I can't even imagine. What, you're 12 years old. You started following Jesus. Now at 17, you get this news. What was going through? What, what, did, what did the next few days and weeks look like in your life? Yeah, um, it pretty much really was just shock at first. Um, I don't think that I really believed it. 
um, there was definitely anger towards God uh, because I just didn't understand. You know, everything was great. You know, I, I love Jesus. I was doing everything that the Bible told me to do. And, um, you know, I was staying pure and I was going to church and I was serving and I was volunteering and um, I was doing everything right. Um, so why did this have to happen? And um, I, I honestly, it was just shock. Um, and then after coming back from Colombia from being some time there is really when kind of it, the grief kind of hit and where now I really needed to deal with what was reality. And it was uh, the decision that did I really believe in God and did I really believe everything that, that I had learned about in those five years previous and was I really willing to walk by faith and um, kind of just trust God. Yeah. I, I think because we follow God and because we're with Jesus, we think that we're exempt from certain things. Things like that shouldn't happen in our life because, but Jesus says that in this world you will have trouble. There's going to be circumstances that we don't understand. You said you were mad at God. Did you ever doubt God? Yeah. Um, I think at that moment, you know, scripture takes a whole nother turn when, when, when there's a storm in your life. I think that you read scripture sometimes and it, and it means something, but I think that you go through a storm or you go through something difficult and scripture completely changes. And, um, you know, I had a really great support system in my church and in the people that were around me, my friends, my leaders, who really loved and cared about me. And I think that at that point, I, I just needed to make a decision for myself. And so, yeah, I did doubt. But I think that because of those five years that I did invest in walking with Jesus, in, in, in studying scripture and studying the word, that some of those verses started to come back. And specifically, it was Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. And I had always heard that verse but I think now it was more clear because it was God saying hey I still have a hope for you and I still have a future for you and I'm not done with you and I'm not gonna harm you this is not to harm you this is to make you better so I think that was kind of the verse that really kind of just allowed me to just say I'm not gonna just stop and I'm gonna keep push forward that's great that's great thank you so much Gerald uh, going back to to your story so your mother passes away of cancer and uh, let's fast forward a little bit. You move down to Miami, you get married. Mm -hmm. And what was the storm? Now, we thought that was a big storm in your life. And obviously it was. And like you said, you were mad at God, uh, but you were about to go through something just yes. as difficult or maybe even more. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about the big storm in your life. Well, uh, like you said, uh, after my mother passed away, I became really cold, really cold. I used people. I didn't care um, to get what I wanted and to get success, to climb the, the corporate ladder and everything else like that. And in that time, I met my best friend. I met my wife. Uh, we knew each other as uh, teenagers, and I, I ran back into her again. She didn't want have nothing to do with me because she heard about my reputation. And I had to fight for her and, uh, and beg. And, and finally, she wrote, she wrote her number on a lotto card. The first, one of the first lot of cars from Miami because I was down here visiting. And she said, call me, and we got, long story short, we got married. And then uh, I already had bought a house in Miami, and we moved down to Miami. And uh, the first, actually the first storm that we went together, went through together was at Hurricane Andrew. We bought the house in, Fe I moved in February, Hurricane Andrew came in August. So I wasn't even unpacked yet. And uh, so the house was destroyed. Okay, that was the first... Little I remember you telling me the story a couple weeks ago. You said you lost it all. Yep, lost everything. Lost. We had only two walls left, and then my neighbors stole my washing machine and dryer. Uh, so, and um, 
Now, I'll just, again, at all this time, I had nothing to do with God when Easter came. You know how people usually, normal people go to church on Christmas and Easter, you know, Mother's Day? Not me. Um, I'm going to fast forward a few years uh, before my storm, my greatest storm happened. Uh, that Easter, I was at Coral Castle doing the Easter egg hunt. That's how I was far away from God. I didn't want to hear anything about it. And uh, in that time, my wife became pregnant, and we, had our, we were going to have our third child. Everything was going great. Everything was awesome. She, she, had, uh, she, she worked in Baptist Hospital. She was in the medical field, so she knew everybody in the hospital. And uh, I thought everything was going good. So we went to have, it was a planned pregnancy, November 11th, and 2002. And uh, we went to have our third child. Everything was great. We bought tickets to go to Europe the following year, advanced tickets, because we, were, we always wanted to visit Paris and uh, walk around. Um, on November 11th at around uh, 2.20 or 11.30, she had the baby, my beautiful uh, Gabrielle. And at 2.22, uh, I went back into the room and I sat down and I asked her sister, so how's she doing? And she told her she's sleeping. So I, sat in the, I sit in the corner of the room and I look across and it's kind of dark. And uh, I look at the sheets. I don't see the sheets going up and down. And I'm looking and I see nothing happening. And I said, and this is the first time I said, God. I said, God, no. And I walk over slowly and say, God, no. God, no. God, no. And I get there. And I put my hand on her chest, and she's, the sheets are not, she's not breathing. And I look at her lips, they're ice blue. I kiss her, she's cold. I try to feel for a pulse, nothing. Then I run outside and I tell the nurses in the nurse station, my wife, lips are blue. And they come in, they do a, a code. And everybody's jumping on the bed, trying to re, re, revive her. Uh, but she passed. After a few hours, after. And they took her to ICU. And uh, I uh, blew up. And I said, see, you're not even here. Look at that. And another sweet person, because this woman was way better than me. She was the good part of me. Uh, whenever I wanted to be nice to someone, I said my wife. <laughs> um, it was really tough. I lost my best friend. And I had two other kids. A four-year-old and a five-year-old and a newborn now. And my whole life stopped. My whole life stopped. I was, in, I was paralyzed. And, uh, but something, something, something inside me told me to go to the chapel. She's in ICU. Someone told me to go to the chapel, and I went to the chapel in a Baptist hospital. And uh, I don't know how I did this, but I laid down on, on the ground, flat, face down. And I said, God, if you're real, <laughs> I need you. I need you. And these are not cries of sadness. This is cries of thankf thankfulness. Because what I know in my head, and there's no way I can tell you this in this time, but what I know in my head, God stopped the world.
he stopped the world for me. He didn't care whatever, whatever was going on. You read in the Bible where it says, God will leave the 99 to go find that one. I was that one that day. He, he stopped the world for me. And I felt his hand. But I wasn't there yet. But I felt his hand there. And then things started happening. Uh, the insurance company, they were, it was right there, like a few hours. I said, this is Blue Cross and Blue Shield. They said, Mr. Delator, don't worry about anything. We want to take care about. We want to take care of everything for you. The nurses, don't worry about the baby. She was in a hospital for almost a month before I took her home because I couldn't take her home. They took care of everything, bought her clothes. Everybody bought her clothes. Took care of us. Um, that happened in November. They had her in a machine, and I loved her very much. I didn't want to let her go. They said, Mr. Delta, we, you know, we can pull the plug, or you're going to have a person that, in a coma. She'll never come back to you. I couldn't let her go. I said, I'll take care of her. And so I took care of her for a few years, took her home. And there's some people here that were on this journey with me. You guys know who you are. And I thank you all because most, some of them helped take care of my kids for me. Um, but what changed everything, my cold heart, was Thanksgiving. I came home from work, and uh, I saw a box. And it had all this Thanksgiving decoration on it. And uh, I said, where is this from? And he said, it's from the church down the street. I said, church down the street? What church? I don't even go to church. He said, uh, they, they heard about your situation and they brought over a Thanksgiving meal because I didn't want to have Thanksgiving. I didn't want to celebrate. This was November 11th this happened. This was, right now, it's two weeks later, it's Thanksgiving. And I wasn't being, feeling thankful. But that touched my heart. That softened my heart. Because I saw what? I'm from New York. And when you're from New York, you always think that somebody has an angle. They want to come at you. They want to get your money somehow, some way. Okay, my father said, be careful when you go to Queens because they'll take the milk out of your coffee. All right? Okay, while you're holding it. So I saw that, and it touched my heart. And I always remember that. I said, wow, these people don't even know me, and yet... They, gave, they brought me food. They cared about me. And a few weeks later, I was going to the hospital. Instead of making a left on Kendall Drive, I made a right. And I ended up in this church parking lot. And I'm crying in the parking lot. And I see myself getting out of the car. I'm saying, Gerald, what are you doing? In my head, what are you doing? I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking inside. And then there's a person that greets me on the door. And he says, come in. He sits me down just in time when the pastor is talking about who here wants to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I'm listening, and I, saw, I, see, I see myself getting up. Just said, Gerald, sit down. <laughs> Gerald, you're crying. People are going to think you're a wimp. You know, because I always had this rep to protect. And, uh, and, I, and I walk up. He didn't call anybody, but I just walked up, and he put the, the mic in towards my mouth and he says do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and I said yes I do and that was the change 
of my life. Everything changed from there. I think, first of all, thank you for being so honest and transparent. Um, and I think one thing that we can see in this is that God is with us in the storm. Yep. He never forgets us. He never takes his eyes. Even though you wanted nothing to do with him, he wanted everything to do with you. Yep. And he was going to go after you no matter what. And uh, at the end of the day, we may not understand why, why things happen, but God was faithful to show you that he was with you all along, and he brought you home at the end of the day. And here you are all these years later in the house of God as a leader, as a man of God, and uh, we thank God for your life. Diana, we're, we're almost out of time, but Diana, a little bit uh, about your story. So you and your dad get separated. Uh, he says, I want nothing to do with you. I don't, you don't exist to me anymore. Basically, that's what he said. Um, how do you deal with that? And then how did somehow, some way, uh, God come into the picture and try to uh, fix your heart on this situation? Um, so I feel like for my teenage years, or at the beginning, I just kind of understood, but there was a part of me that felt like I've done nothing wrong. And so that kind of helped me with the first, I guess, few years. Um, but I think growing up in, without a father figure for anybody, but um, I think for a girl, um, it brings a lot of different things, some kind of um, rejection, because first you're not wanted, but um, I think my view of men really changed, um, not just because of what my dad did to me, but what he did to my mom. And so I became this person who put up a lot of walls just because I didn't want to be hurt again, um, just because I chose that, you know, if you invest yourself in, in, in any kind of relationship, this is what's going to happen. But especially in my relationship with how I view men, um, I had this idea of, you know, you got to be this successful person because of the day of tomorrow, which I had no desire to get married. I just never even thought about that. But if you do, you got to have everything together because the day of tomorrow, when they cheat on you, when they leave you, you got to not end up like your mom, struggling. Um, and, but more than that, I think I was able to, in a way, not in a healthy way, kind of put that behind um, and it became a lot like, like what Ricky was saying, you know, it's like now my mom, the person that's actually caring for me and the person that's sacrificing for me, now you're struggling in so many other areas. Like now um, we're struggling to pay the rent at some point and now we're struggling to um, pay the electric bill. I remember my mom calling and trying to make extensions and get extensions because we didn't have the money and this and that. And that part of me was so much like, I just need to become this person and get all of this so that I can take care of her, so that I can thank her. And I could say that I became very cold in a way and very just um, not really in tune with my emotions or me, but more of what can I get, what can I do to get ahead and what can I do for her, what can I do to take care of my family. Um, but through it all, I mean, even with the little knowledge that I had of God, I felt like even in the worst of times, you know, um, at some point just being left with nothing but the clothes in the trunk of your car because we, you have been evicted and you're looking for a place to stay with your mom. Um, in that, I can look back and say, you know what, even in those moments, God was with us because somehow, some way, there was always a place to stay, even if it wasn't my own home, even if it was at somebody else's house, even if, you know, there was always a plate of food. But I think that that 
in those moments, looking back, you learn to appreciate the struggle because the struggle brings out the best in you and it reminds you of what God has done and it reminds you of his faithfulness. And I um, found myself um, working with this girl. We were like work study and she used to go to church and she started inviting me to church and I was in this um, difficult place in my life already as a 19, 20 year old. And she kept inviting me to church, and I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And one day I decided to go, and I just wanted to be there. I fell in love with, with church. I fell in love with, um, with God. I can't even remember what it was necessarily, but I just wanted to come back and keep coming back. Um, and that's what I did. Um, and in that process, just getting close to God, I met Alex. Um, and... <laughs> And in that process of also growing, you know, here's the church kid and here's a girl who's totally not a church girl, <laughs> but now I was in church. Um, God began to work in me and, and to show me, you know, everything that you felt and everything that you've gone through. Like now it's time for you to think about it. Now it's time for you to understand that you're not this cold person. You're not this um, person who pretends to be tough, you know, but you have to deal with these things. And I began to do that. And in that, I was able to contact my dad, who still wanted nothing to do with me. And basically, he wanted me to apologize for leaving, though he was the one that left me. 11 years later, after not having yeah. any contact with your father, God put in your heart, I, I just want to get things right, even though it wasn't your fault. And uh, I think that shows that we don't choose the storm, but we can choose our attitude through the storm. Definitely. And uh, you decided to reach out. And you decided to apologize even though it wasn't your fault. And uh, 11 years later, you guys were reunited. Yeah, so finally, um, Alex and I are about to get married. And I apologize. And I tell him, hey, come you know, to my wedding and walk me down the aisle and all these things. But my dad, I've changed, but my dad hasn't necessarily. And so um, he didn't want me to get married. He um, refused to like be at my wedding and all these other things. But we were able to see each other and you know, kind of like start this relationship again. And for the first, I want to say, six years of our marriage, I, I kind of had a relationship with him, but um, it was always very um, just difficult because of um, just his opinion on church and about God. You know, he doesn't believe in God. And every time I would call, it's always that, oh, you're at church and you're doing this and, you know, you're so ignorant and you need to find another job and you need to do all these things because, you know, um, you need to read a little bit more and you need to be a little bit smarter. And so every time I'll call, it's a struggle of like, ugh, you know, it's not a father-daughter relationship. It's just, you know, I have to do it. And I felt at some point like I needed to do it more because it was God, what God was asking me to do rather than what I want to do. Yeah. Um, but because he has been this kind of person, it was like, I need to do this because I might be the only Jesus he ever really sees. Um, but again, being in church and doing the right thing, like Nabil was saying, doesn't guarantee that storms are not going to come. Because last year around this same time, we were talking about it the other day, um, I, I call my father and then I, I don't get, you know, he doesn't answer. And then I get a message where he's basically writing to me saying, you know, like, because you're not the kind of person I want you to be, um, I don't want to have a relationship with you. And like, just forget about me again. And so I found myself in the same place I found myself as a 10-year-old girl. And, but this time was different. Like this time, I felt like God, I'd done what God had asked me to do. And I felt like, you know, I've done my part. 
And I felt like I was obedient even when I didn't want to be. Even when I didn't want to ask someone for forgiveness, you know, I felt like I've done all these things and now I just got to trust God through it. And it made it a little bit, I want to say, easier in a way. Um, but it's just so much trusting in God. And I, I think what I noticed in you different was you weren't going to hold unforgiveness. You weren't going to decide to live bitter. You were going to decide to live better and say, you know what? I've done what I could. The rest is in God's hand. And even through this storm, I am going to rise above it. And I think this past year, I just want to say you've, you've done an excellent job. At the end of the day, we're still praying for him and believing that God can do something in his life. And just to wrap up really quick, uh, Ricky, with the biggest storm in your life, how did you rise above it? You ended up with an 18-year prison sentence. And uh, in a minute, if you can, I know your life in a minute is hard, but <laughs> if you could quickly summarize, uh, um, how'd you get out of that? Because you're here. It hasn't been 18 years. You're here. So uh, I was, they gave me a charge that I didn't, that I wasn't supposed to get. Um, I was able to, so I go to prison. I get, have the sentence. Uh, they get, they put me in a cell with who I call the Apostle Paul. He was in there. <laughs> And uh, he was talking about Jesus every day. It was day. all Jesus in my cell. It was like all he wanted to talk about was the Bible. And I was like, bro, I got 18 years and sent 18 years left. Like, God, who? You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to hear about God at the moment, you know, but every day he kept on, every day he kept on. And, you know, that's to show you guys that always be there for somebody, or always pray for somebody and say, hey, it might not be an hard time, but God, you keep putting your voice in their life, you know? And uh, he kept putting that voice in my. He kept putting that voice every day, every day, and he made he, you pray. Yeah, he made like, hey, we're gonna pray. I would have to pray, and uh, <laughs> you know, I would sit there and I would have to read a verse with him. And but you ended up getting saved. So I ended up getting saved, and he's like, hey, we're gonna find, you know, you're gonna beat your charge, and we're gonna go back, and you're gonna go out there, and you're gonna be a part of a church. He kept telling me all these things, and. I ended up appealing the guy that supposedly the situation happened with. He testifies on my behalf. They take away 144 months, 12 years. I do six years and a half, and I get out, and I find Calvary, and I'm here ever since, you know? After, after going through that storm... What have been some of the ways that you can say, hey, through the storms in life, what are some of the things that have helped you to say, hey, you're not going to go down, you're not going to sink, you're going to get up, and you're going to keep yeah, going? so, I mean, honestly, I can say is, you know, get plugged in, stay close to accountability. People like, you know, I met Pastor Alex, whatever time, call them, you know, be there. Don't be ashamed of what you're going through. You know, I overcame that storm, and I... And I can tell you, if you've ever been in a situation where you feel like, oh, I'm, I will never be used by God or I can never get a job, I'm a convicted felon. I applied for three of my jobs ever since I've been out, been corporate world, who say they don't hire convicted felons, but I say my God is bigger than corporate, you know? So, you know, stick, stick to the path and God is always going to be there. I've been in situations where Alex knows, the church knows, where it's like, I, I, I can't even... I can't even keep going forward. The enemy tries to bring my past, bring my past. But if you stay plugged in and you stay around the right people, God's always going to come through. Come on, that's some good stuff. Thank you, man. Naveel, after 17 years old and what you faced, what are some of the ways, if you can encourage somebody tonight to say you can get through it no matter how difficult it may be, what are some of the ways that helped you overcome yeah, that I, storm? I think it's exactly what Ricky said. You know, here you have a church, you have a home. Um, I always say that we don't use that as a slogan. You know, I really believe that this is a home. 
if you want to make it that, it's on you, you know? And um, if you just get plugged in, and if you really want it, you can. Um, I know that I didn't want to stay in grief. I know I didn't want to stay hurt. I know I didn't want to stay broken. And so I continued to persevere and I continued to pursue Jesus. And people around me helped me when I didn't feel like pursuing Jesus sometimes. Um, my husband was a big part of that. You know, he showed me that even when there was a storm, that he could continue to worship God. And so I think that if we would just pursue God, just the same way that he pursues us, that we could see and we could rise above and we could see the storm as something beautiful, as something that God is actually perfecting us That's and great. making us better. That's great. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Gerald, really quick, if you could. All these years later, you went through that, the biggest storm. Of yes, it was a very long storm. A very long storm. Almost 13 years. And in that time, I was just trying to share with you Psalm 34 real quick. And this is what kept me going. One of the things that kept me going. It's in Psalm 34. It starts at verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man, me, called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. And this is the part I love. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Any last encouraging words, babe? Uh, how you can say people can rise above whatever situation they're facing? I think that it's a lot about perspective, and I think that you have a choice. You have a choice to allow the storm to break you, and you have a choice to allow the storm to destroy you, or, have a lot, you, you, or you can have the choice to allow the storm to make you better and to make you stronger, and it all depends how you look at it. And as difficult as it is, it is your choice to say, you know what, there is a reason. Even though I don't understand it right now, there is a reason why God is walking me through this. Um, because nobody wants to have, you know, or to face storms in their lives. But I believe that when we have a different perspective about those storms, that we can look at them with, with different eyes. That now it's not this thing that's going to destroy us, but now it's like, God, what are you trying to show me? What can, how, how much closer can I get to you? Because how many of us know that it is in those difficult times that we run to Jesus even more? And so I'm able to look back at my life and you know, honestly say, you know what, God, I am so thankful for the struggle and I'm so thankful for the storms and I'm so thankful because it is in those moments of, of struggle that I've seen your hand and I've seen you show faithful more than ever. It is in those moments of struggle that I've been forced to run to you and to learn more from you and to know who you are and to know who you're in my life and what you're able to do. I'm able to look back and then look at who I am now and look at um, who I am as a person and just say, God, thank you because you've allowed the storm of, the storms of life to make me who I am and to make me this person that loves you so much. And so I encourage everybody here, as you face a storm, you have a choice. Is it going to be the one thing that breaks you? Is it going to be the one thing that takes you sleep at night? Or are we going to be people who are going to believe that everything works together for good of those who love him? But that's our choice. Man, thank you for that. Come on, can we give it up for our panel tonight? I think it was wonderful. Thank you guys so much. Come on, I think it was amazing, every single one of them, for being transparent and honest. And I think we should do this on a Sunday. This was phenomenal. And I think the whole church should hear different stories. I'm going to ask all of you to close your eyes and bow your head. And panel, thank you so much. You guys can...
Go back to your seat. Uh, with every eye closed and every head bowed, we're about to leave out of here in just a, a minute, but I can't leave without giving you an opportunity to have a relationship with God tonight. I believe there's some people in this room tonight in this auditorium that you don't have a relationship with God. I believe that there's people watching online that you're far from God. Maybe you find yourself in, in the biggest storm of your life and you don't understand, you don't comprehend, and maybe you find yourself like Ricky saying, well, I didn't choose this. This is what I was born into. Or maybe you just got the worst news in the world, like Nabil. Or maybe you're like, where is God? And I can't even look at God. I'm upset at God. I'm mad at God like a Gerald or. Or maybe you just have some unfortunate circumstances and like Diana, you're just like, I don't understand. And because of that, it has affected the way you view God. I pray that tonight, as you heard some stories, you can see that God is for you, God is with you, God loves you, and the storm doesn't determine your God. But it's your God that's going to pull you through your storm. With every eye closed, every head bowed all across this auditorium tonight, if you're here, you say, Alex, I don't know this God. I want to put my trust in God. I want to have a relationship with God. The Bible says that God wants to have a relationship with all of us. He loves us. He's not mad at us. He's madly in love with us. He's not looking at you like, like, look at what you did and remembering what you did last week, last year. He's offering forgiveness and he's offering a relationship with him. The Bible says that sin separates us all from God. But that's why he sent his son, Jesus. And that's who we are celebrating tonight. That's who we're in love with. Jesus came and he took all of your sin, my sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our mistakes, our failures. He put them on his shoulders and he went up on a cross and Jesus died for our sin went into the grave and after three days Jesus resurrected he's alive today and he's offering forgiveness he's offering a brand new start it doesn't matter what you did yesterday it doesn't matter what you did last night today is a brand new day it's a brand new beginning for you and you can have a relationship with God the Bible says today is the day of salvation tomorrow's promise for no man you can have a relationship with God today he's waiting for you with arms open wide I'm gonna count to three and I believe some hands are gonna go up and you're saying, Alex, I want a relationship with God. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up in the air. I'm just going to acknowledge you right where you're at. Then you can put it right back down. We're not here to embarrass you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you say, I need a relationship with God, I want to start brand new. You raise your hand. If you're watching online, you can do the same thing. At the count of three, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Amazing. Amazing. God bless you. 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 Good move. Good move. Hands raised everywhere. Anybody else, you raise your hand. If you're watching online, you can say this prayer with me. It's a simple prayer. All of you who raise your hand, that's the best decision you could ever do in your life. And I'm telling you, there's a party in heaven right now. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to say a simple prayer. All we're doing is talking to God and we're asking God to come into our life and forgive us of our sin. And we're starting brand new tonight. All of you who raise your hand, I want you to repeat this with me out loud. It's just a simple prayer. All we're doing is putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. In fact, the whole church, we're going to say it with you together. Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner. And that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I believe you're the Son of God. That you died for my sins. And on the third day, 
you resurrected. From today on, I am forgiven, I am saved, I am healed, and I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together?